Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. There's rain and snow in the forecast again. Less than a week after storms brought more than six feet of snow to the Sierra snowpack. Cold, low-pressure systems off the coast are expected to bring even more rain, snow, and colder weather to the state. Periods of moderate rain will likely hit the Bay Area Tuesday before moving to the Central Coast and Southern California. And another system could bring more precipitation on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. This week's storms could bring two to three inches of rain to most of the Bay Area and an inch or two across the southern part of the state. It's also expected to dump even more snow in the Sierra, with mountain snow levels likely starting around 3,000 feet. Speaking of which, that snowpack is a main source of fresh water for the state, and it's done a lot to decrease the severity of the drought. But as KCRW's Kaylee Wells reports, we still have a long way to go. Before the storm, the snowpack was hovering at about a quarter of what it normally would be by mid-December. Now it's back up to average. That's great news, but it's not nearly enough to lower the fire danger or end the drought. State officials are begging Californians to conserve water as the state's reservoirs are still parched, with most of them hovering at a third or less of their capacity. The drought is so severe, meteorologists say it could take three or four storms like this last one to moisten the soil, refill our water sources, and bring us enough snowpack in the Sierra to carry us through the summer. While the State Department of Water Resources won't know the condition of the water year until the wet season is over, forecasters predict the rainfall in Southern California this winter will be 60 percent of average. For the California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles. More than three months after it started, a huge lightning-caused wildfire in Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks has finally been fully contained. The National Park Service says the KNP Complex fire was declared 100 percent contained Thursday after significant rain and snow in the Sierra Nevada. The fire was ignited on September 9th and ultimately scorched 138 square miles. The KNP complex and another fire in the surrounding Sequoia National Forest tore through more than a third of California's giant sequoia groves and torched as many as 3,600 of the trees, according to park officials. Total containment means that the fire's perimeter is considered secure and no further growth is expected, which is different than a fire being declared out. State maps may soon show even more homes and buildings are at risk for wildfire. After years of delay, the California Department of Forestry and Fire Prevention says it's almost ready to release new fire hazard severity maps. CAP Radio's Chris Nichols explains why those maps matter. When the Tubbs fire burned his home in Santa Rosa to the ground, Brian Fees didn't dwell on his loss. He rebuilt. He didn't know about Cal Fire's color-coded maps, orange for zones of high wildfire risk, red for very high. He was in the suburbs. He just assumed he'd be safe. Now, he wonders whether that's still true. Climate change is making risk a moving target. Places that used to be safe aren't safe anymore. And, and firefighters 
need to understand and reflect that that change. The state's wildfires now routinely set records in size and destruction. Here's Cal Fire Chief Tom Porter at an August news conference. Fires are burning in ways that nobody has seen before. Yes, I keep saying that, you keep hearing that, but it is absolutely true. What's also true is that it's been 14 years since CAL FIRE last designated zones where fire risk is high. Critics like Rick Halsey of the California Chaparral Institute say CAL FIRE's existing maps aren't just outdated, they're also flawed. He points out that in Santa Rosa, the Tubbs fire returned to neighborhoods the state hadn't deemed risky. This is what's so tragic. That area burned twice before, virtually in the same footprint in the previous 100 years. And so why that history wasn't incorporated into the fire severity maps is a mystery to me. CAL FIRE spokesman Daniel Berlant says this time around, the state's approach will be different. Old maps focused on geographic hazards, like forests and canyons where fire spreads. New maps will reflect new science about climate hazards, including extreme winds that push wildfire farther. The argument that we need to be mapping these areas and, and need to get on it sooner is real because we're seeing more of these wind-driven fires that take embers into areas that historically were not even designated uh, with a fire hazard level. Berlant says incorporating the climate change has been slower and more complicated than planned. We want to get the science right. CAL FIRE expects risky zones to get bigger, especially in areas where homes and wildlands meet. That could make it harder to build in forest and foothill areas, according to Stacy Heaton. She's an advocate for the rural county representatives of California. She says the new maps will hamper local governments already under pressure to solve the state's housing crisis. The state's telling them they have to build so many housing units per year. Even in the high fire hazard severity zones, they have to strike that balance between fire mitigation, but also building these low income housing units. And in these zones, new development needs wider roads, more fire stations and hydrants. New homes must have fire resistant walls, decks and roofs. And all homeowners in risky areas have to clear defensible space. Heaton says recent arrivals, people who moved to rural California in the pandemic, may not think about that enough. Overall, more people are likely to live in new risk zones. In Sonoma County, Brian Fee says local officials should put the map in every mailbox. In my opinion, they should push it and not just passively provide it, not just uh, it's available on you know, page 312 of the county's website, but they should push it. Fees isn't in a high risk zone yet, but like other homeowners who've lived through wildfire lately, he's more eager now to see what the updated maps reveal. For the California Report, I'm Chris Nichols in Sacramento. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone? hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years. Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Desert Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, 
hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years. Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Health officials across the state continue to raise concerns about rising hospitalizations and positive COVID-19 cases. L.A. County has seen the highest daily cases in months, and COVID-related hospitalizations there are once again above 700. Here's County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. You may want to avoid that big holiday party that's indoors at a hotel or that huge wedding that's going to have, you know, 500 people all eating and drinking together for hours on end, because we know for some of us, those risks are going to be too significant. Statewide, COVID hospitalizations are up about 15 percent over the past two weeks. Fresno County Interim Health Officer Dr. Ray Zvora says his county's models show a leveling off in terms of hospitalizations, but that doesn't account for the Omicron variant, which is spreading rapidly across the state and country right now. We're expecting to have a rise and possibly a steep rise right after the new year um, as the Christmas holidays kind of catch up with us in terms of transmission. Health officials continue to push people to get vaccinated and get their booster shots to better protect themselves from serious illness if they do come down with COVID. For the first time ever, L.A. and the Bay Area lost population in the same year. That's according to data released Friday. Statewide, the population fell by 173,000 people in the year ending June 30th, which of course includes 12 months of the pandemic. It's only the second time the state has reported an annual population loss. While Los Angeles County remains the nation's most populous by a wide margin, the latest tally shows it lost about 67,500 people, landing just under 10 million. The Bay Area counties, which have a population of about 7.7 million, lost roughly 64,000. California lost a congressional seat for the first time in its history because it did not grow as quickly as other states in the past decade. The delegation is now at 52 members. That's still the most in the nation. Food trucks and street vendors have been a part of the culture of Los Angeles for decades. While thousands of these business owners operate in different parts of the city, they've increasingly faced challenges to do so legally. While the city decriminalized street vending in 2017 and started a permitting system the following year, to date, only a little more than 150 food vendors have been licensed. That's led to regular sites being shut down, which often leaves vendors looking for a new place to sell their food. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi spoke with Janet Viafana with the online news and cultural site L.A. Taco. She's been watching this saga unfold. He first asked about the latest shutdown of a popular food truck site in East L.A. According to Supervisor Hilda uh, Solis' office, this was all part of a pilot project that they have going on in East L.A. and unincorporated areas of Los Angeles. Basically, they said that they're giving more room to emergency services to be able to access the area. I, of course, followed up with the fire department and wanted to ask, you know, 
have they made any complaints about not being able to access that particular area in Whittier Boulevard um, in the past even like month or so? And, you know, they didn't directly say yes or no, but they did say that, you know, they did not initiate this pilot project. But of course, they support it anytime that they're making space for emergency services. They are, they are for it. But a lot of the vendors, I mean, I asked them and I said, have you guys ever witnessed, you know, an ambulance, law enforcement, um, anybody not being able to access this area where you guys are parked? And they all said, no, never. I mean, some of them, you have to think, some of them have been there for 13 years and never had an issue ever, ever, ever. And then this day comes where they get there and there was no warning and the whole like a mile stretch of sidewalk is painted red. Were they all just kind of taken aback because they didn't receive any warning and they didn't really have any place to go after that? Yes. I mean, one of the vendors said he he literally moved just across the street just to trip because he found a spot and his sales dropped 80 percent that day just for moving across the street. And I think every single um, food truck owner that I spoke with said the same thing. You know, they said moving even down the block is crucial for food trucks who have already, you know, established themselves in a location where people can find them. And it's unfortunate because we've seen this removal of food truck um, owners and street vendors in the past. I mean, just this year alone, we saw it with Avenue 26 and Patata Street as well as among others. And it's unfortunate because these vendors and people that are real staples in the community are being kind of like pushed out. What has been the biggest disputes in a lot of these cases? Uh, was the Avenue 26 situation different from this one that just happened in East L.A.? Um, a little bit. That one, uh, one of the main concerns was sanitation and also the emergency services not being able to pass. But again, I think a lot of these vendors and food truck owners, all they, they have all been saying when anything like this happens is, they wish there was more communication. They're okay with following the rules. They just wish there was more communication from officials, county and city with them. And more like them taking them into consideration when, when these type of projects are brought about. Janet Viafana is a reporter with LA Taco. Janet, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Late last month, the L.A. City Council voted unanimously to ask the state to come up with a more practical system to regulate these businesses in an attempt to issue more permits. Support for the California Report comes from Real California Milk, reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at RecycleTheJug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org health dash equity. And that's the California Report for Monday, December 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs> 